welcome to episode four of Therapy's podcast, The Anxiety Trap. Uh, this is your host, Guy Hernandez, licensed marriage and family therapist in California. In today's episode, we just have a quick snapshot at an end review of our experience of anxiety and mostly pertaining of, of how our anxiety is involved in our in our relationships with others whether this be a romantic relationship or with our children or with our friends colleagues etc and the point behind the anxiety trap when I do this lesson with families is really just to get them to recognize how their unchecked or unmanaged anxiety um, can perpetuate and ultimately increase and maintain the conflict that exists in their family, whether, like I said, be between uh, a romantic couple or between siblings, between parent, parent and child. And then really that's the start of it, is getting them to recognize the pattern and acknowledge that that pattern that they are in is ineffective. And then um, we engage in different tactics from there. We're, we're going to rev- just briefly review right at the end what some of those, those strategies are, but we're not going to get in depth remembering that this is only episode four and we're still in a very introductory and foundational period in this podcast. So we're still hoping to grab some interest in these introductory episodes and then get more specific as the um, podcast uh, un- unfolds over time. So remembering that we're going to get more specific into the communication lessons and we'll get more specific into, like I said, the strategies of uh, how I've supported families and and different people in managing and overcoming this idea of the anxiety trap uh, in, in within our relationships. All right, well, we are going to get started here, so please enjoy the episode, episode four, The Anxiety Trap. Okay, welcome to part one of the anxiety trap and before we get into too much content today we're actually just going to do a brief definition of anxiety and anxiety is basically um, having excessive worry or preoccupation uh, regarding a potential threat or stressor that may not actually exist um, so when we talked about the fight-or-flight response back in episode one we talked about it being triggered by an external, uh, actually an external stressor or force that was actually there, whereas anxiety is kind of thinking about a potential stressor. Um, so uh, excessive worry, thinking, preoccupation with a potential problem. And this could have m- many different presentations. Like I said, if we think of the fight or flight response, um, how are we essentially reacting to our anxiety? Sometimes the kind of stereotypical uh, presentation or, or how people that I've worked with um, come to understand anxiety is 
this kind of, like I said, stereotyped person that you see worrying or really expressing their worry or fear around something. However, anxiety can be a, a little bit more complex than that. It, it's not We don't necessarily see it outright sometimes in people or even in ourselves. It can be very sneaky. Think of it more broadly as having a reactionary response. Having the, getting that fight or flight, that stress response, that alarm system going off in times when it's actually not really supposed to be going off and then it changing the way we act and behave out in the world. And, and essentially that's the anxiety trap is, is un, unchecking or, or having unchecked anxiety and having it drive our behavior. So kind of living in this reaction world versus moving through with thoughtful responses. Some other ways that anxiety may actually present itself other than the kind of stereotypical person that's worrying or express their worries, if we think of that fight or flight spectrum on the more avoidant flight side, so on the avoidance, it could have more depressive-like symptoms where someone is isolating or kind of getting really stuck and frozen in their their experience of anxiety, um, causing them to, kind of, like I said, kind of freeze and not, not engage in what's next, thinking in terms thinking of kind of like the social anxiety kind of piece where where someone may just become um, unable to move towards the the anxiety producing or the anxiety inducing um, situation if we think more of the fight side and this is where I actually work on anxiety and talk about the anxiety travel with families a lot families and couples if the family and or couple is getting in perpetual arguments, we kind of stop them and, and get out of the details of what the argument is about, but talk about the anxiety trap and start to get of down to what is each person's worry or, or fear in the moment or, or how are they reacting to something that doesn't quite exist yet. And usually when we're in that kind of more fight stage, that argumentative stage where we're, where we're not owning it where we're not really listening and we're putting the blame outward and there's this kind of win or lose interaction going on my me versus you um, there's anxiety wrapped up into that um, when I'm breaking it down with the families or couples sometimes their initial reaction is they're talking about anger and frustration and those are kind of more the surface level um, emotions they're experiencing those are kind of the external emotion emotions they're experiencing and expressing outwardly because maybe their their voices are raised with their children or with their partner and there's maybe some blaming going on so it feels even for them like well I was angry and I was really frustrated and annoyed and irritated but if we slow things down and start to break down what was actually going on um, the more vulnerable emotion they were experiences, experiencing was some, um, they were feeling dismissed, feeling unheard and uncared about, um, some worry and concern, feeling a lack of trust. A lot of the emotions are 
are kind of anxiety based. We start to break it down. It's that they're attaching the, the, the couples or the family are attaching meaning to the other person's interaction without actually exploring it. Right? So this is kind of the nature of what anxiety can do to us is we're coming up with these outcomes and these meanings, these assumptions about what our partner said or did or didn't say or didn't do and then we live in that world that we just created and we react to that world that we just created in our mind without actually slowing things down and mindfully exploring what actually is going on with some curiosity. Remembering that you know the idea of anxiety is it's it's doing one of two things it's either propelling us into the future or it's we're carrying something from the past and we're not really living in the here and now and in the present of what's actually going on to think of it this way when i when we talked about um, propelling into the future and creating a problem that doesn't actually exist is if you see one little one little thing in your partner or in your your child or in a coworker that maybe reminds you of something else right this is where we get into the word of trigger it'll trigger a feeling or reaction to you and now you're reacting to not just what they did there but now you have this whole assumption about what's about to happen next now if you go with that as truth then you're falling into the anxiety trap However, if you are able to kind of check that and understand it, that's just one little behavior. And we'll get into more specific examples of the anxiety trap in part two. But for, for part one, I just want you thinking about where are you, get, where are you getting into the most conflicts in your life? Is it with your coworkers? Is it with your partner? Um, maybe extended family members, um, your nuclear family with your children? Where is they're the most relational distress because when I do this lesson on the anxiety trap, I do it with families that or couples. I do it in relation to another where there's reactions going on. There's some unchecked anxiety that's happening that's leading to perpetual conflict in the family or in the couple or in between a person and whomever that they have a, a some sort of re established relationship with not necessarily romantic just in general colleague friend etc okay so we talked about the more um fight side of of getting into uh getting into arguments with some unchecked anxiety protecting our vulnerabil vulnerabilities in those arguments, like attempting to not, not feel re rejected, and we'll get a little bit more into that in, in part two. On the other side of it is the avoidance, okay? Knowing that there's a problem, but actively avoiding it. So we think in, in this in terms of re in relation to others, if we play it out between um, parents and children, it's the idea of kind of walking around eggshells and you can apply that to romantic relationship as well in terms of parents and children walking on eggshells because historically if they brought this topic up that the child would have a certain reaction and that action reaction overwhelmed them and that they didn't know what to do therefore their conclusion is to just avoid it just avoid the problem kind of hope it goes away well, you could really apply that same thing right to your romantic relationship. 
Is there a problem or a topic, some sort of conflict that you're avoiding addressing because your fear is that it's going to turn into this big thing? Well, that problem we know will kind of continue to exist as long as you continue to avoid it. Um, think in terms of social anxiety as well. And I don't want to get too much into this because this can definitely be a few episodes in its own. But avoiding uh, the stressful stimuli, actually, right, the stressful situations, actually removes our ability to get better at it and 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 practice um, managing our social anxiety. So this is kind of the trap, right? Is that um, the idea of the anxiety trap is that what we do actually, um, if we're not able to manage our anxiety in the moment, just continues to um, increase our anxiety over time in regards to whatever that, that conflict is in relation to another or in relation to an external event or situation such as being in a social setting. But we're we're going to mostly focus this on in relation to, in close relationships, family, friends, uh, romantic partners. Therefore, I want you to th stop and think about this, especially during the break of, like I said, where are most of your conflicts happening? And even, uh, even when you're thinking that maybe you felt angry and frustrated, try to go a little deeper. See if there was something else that you were maybe worried about. Are you more on the avoidance side? of of approaching problems or are you more on the active engagement where you're getting in, into arguments and attempting to kind of control the relationship around you and and make it more comfortable for you through through blaming or through deferring responsibility which is you know similar to blaming but at least not take not owning it essentially How are conflicts normally resolved in your in your family? If you have children, how are conflicts resolved with your romantic partner, with your friends, with the out, outside family? Are, is the topic just avoided altogether? Or is there an active argument that happens that kind of goes nowhere, where it's, it's one way um, communication? And there's no, there's no act actual active listening going on there's no there's no reciprocity which we talked about in part um last week's ep or episode three on five keys to effective communication so think about that for a bit when we come back in part two what we're going to do is we're going to do a breakdown with specific examples of exactly how i talk about the anxiety trap with families and then and then briefly try to get them to stop this pattern and start to reverse the pattern so that it'll open up the space for more effective communication. In episode three we talk about the five keys to effective communication but really this is the part and this is the lesson I do with couples or families or whomever that allows the space that we can actually start communicating effectively because we have to manage the anxiety of the space. We have to manage the anxiety in the household and ha and get out of that reactionary state before we can start communicating mindfully and working through problems from a regulated state. 
being more thoughtful with our responses versus just reacting to the situation with a with a fight or flight kind of alarm system automatic um, me versus you or let's just avoid it right so we manage the anxiety in the space and then we get to start actually practicing some of those communication skills which is why I, I want to get back into the communication skills more specifically later on in a few months all right let's take a quick break think about how your anxiety expresses itself is it the stereotypical kind of worry are you are you tend to isolate and avoid or are, are you um, do you have a kind of quick trigger to anger we think of anger a lot as its own thing and uh, in terms of oh I need anger management any time someone talks to me about that I, I immediately go to um, exploring a little deeper and usually it comes down to some unchecked anxiety is reacting out of this fear and anger is that right the more fight response uh, kind of emotion anyways yeah think about conflicts try to think about where um, anxiety plays a role and where maybe you're getting into some reactions to a problem that isn't actually there yet all right we'll be right back of the anxiety trap in this segment we're just going to briefly go over how the anxiety trap exists in families that I work with whether between couples or between parents and child parents and children we're going to start with looking at how it works with children or how I explain it in that that dynamic and then we'll end with couples but it doesn't just apply there you could actually take Kind of this pattern and, and expand it out to your other relationships but we're just going to focus on those two all right so we're going to start with children first how the anxiety trap works there is generally there's right the idea is unchecked anxiety from the parents then that anxiety gets transferred over to the children increasing their anxiety and actually increasing the initial problem for example i worked with a lot of um, a lot of children, mostly teenagers over the last few years, that struggled with some forms of social anxiety, which was leading to school refusal. All right, if we think of the, the flight response, the more avoidance, unchecked anxiety, here is that the parents would walk on eggshells, or they just want to leave their child alone, they're struggling, and that, that's an understandable position because you're thinking, okay, I already see them struggling. Why would I want to add any more stress? However, what this ends up doing, and this is the anxiety trap, is their, their fear, checking with the parent or parents or guardian or whomever is taking care of this child, um, their unchecked anxiety, their fear is that something will get worse, right? So that's, that's the key part of anxiety. 
what I would then do with that parent is I would draw a triangle similar to the cognitive thought triangle that we went over in episode two. So inside that triangle, what I would put is the stressful situation or the anxiety producing situation, which is their child struggling with going to school. Then I would have on the very, very top is their emotional reaction, which is then increased anxiety. Then what happens with that anxiety is then we go down to the bottom left point of the triangle and it's leading to them avoiding the conflict. Okay, so then we think of how does them avoiding the conflict then impact their child's behavior? Child continues to do what they do because there's no actual movement or or active support, thus leading back to the top of the parent's increased and steady anxiety. And then we could just go in this cycle. Other ways I would describe it, or I would even draw it out, is if you think of the recycling symbol, that triangle that has arrows that keeps leading back, right, because you keep recycling it. Another way to explain the anxiety trap is saying you're just recycling the anxiety in the home. You just keep it going because there's no, if we want to create any change, there has, has to actually be in our home, between our relationships, some behavioral change. Therefore, I would work with the parents initially on managing the anxiety, staying in the moment, not assuming that things are actually going to get worse, but also preparing if they do get worse, how they're going to respond and help them get out of the freeze response. So that's one example. Okay, let's think about the other end, a parent having the more fight response when they see their child struggling with this kind of same, it doesn't have to be necessarily, we're talking about school refusal, but some sort of isolative freezing due to the child's experience of anxiety. Well, the fight response is the parent then actively going in in and engaging with the child and sometimes it may look like oh my gosh you know you need to get up and you'll start to hear these um, these cognitive distortions or these these unhelpful thoughts coming out of the parent you have to get up or else this is gonna happen come on you gotta get there you need to go to school and then you you may start to hear some catastrophizing on the parents part and this is how these are the signals for me that they're falling into the anxiety trap Therefore, if you, you hear yourself doing something similar, then you might be falling into that anxiety trap. Well, what this generally does, if we put it back into that triangle, instead of we have the parent's increased anxiety over the situation, or the child is struggling to go to school, or struggling with some anxiety in general, um, that they're avoiding the, the stressful situation. Well, now, instead of avoiding it, now they're actively engaging it. Okay, so then increased anxiety, bottom left part of the triangle, what is their then subsequent behavior? Their behavior is to go right to their child and it kind of in a maybe more frantic, less regulated state, express all of their worry and concern and all of the anxiety is kind of just being permeated and increased in that moment. Well then the child's reaction is generally the same, it's more frozen kind of more increased anxiety in that moment, leading back to the parent having 
increased and sustained anxiety and we keep recycling this over and over well you might be saying well well guy if i avoid it it leads to this if i go right to it it leads to this well we try to find somewhere more in the middle and what that starts with is having the parent or parents manage their anxiety and be the model of how to work through anxiety for their child remembering that our ch our children are their sponges and they're learning from the things we do so if we show them that we can manage anxiety in these ways they they can learn that from you if they are seeing that anxiety is ex expressed in a more fight way or more flight way that's that might be their default behavior so remembering the parent is the, the a key model to how to work through distress so those are two examples of having the fight or flight essentially unchecked anxiety and how it can continue to perpetuate the problem itself now remove that problem that might not be a problem you're experiencing if you have children or with your child but replace it with something else if instead of your your child going through something more isolative maybe they're being more defiant and they're engaging in more fight like responses more argumentative maybe with siblings or with you as the parent and now similarly so are you engaging in more of unchecked reactionary anxiety trap where you're just walking on eggshells and maybe being a little bit more passive and hoping that their behavior will just change leading to kind of continued behavior in the child or are you engaging in these power struggles with your child that kind of lead to nowhere right and what's the the underlying fear or worry that's that's perpetuating this problem sometimes for parents i work with it's it's the the feeling of hopelessness or a lack of uh, control or feeling inadequate as a parent um, rather than just recognizing that parenting can be incredibly difficult and that raising children can be incredibly stressful at times. And for me, I start to challenge those those negative cognitions or those unhelpful thoughts that, that are that are kind of re recurring and replaying when these problems continue to exist. The fear of maybe criticism from others about their parenting, feeling lost in what to do, confused. So step one, when I, like I said, when I'm when I'm trying to break down the conflicts, I'm trying to pinpoint where the where the anxiety is permeated in the interaction, where it is being spread in the household. Is it being managed at all? Is or is it a very reactionary? avoidant or active engagement, the more fight response um, kind of family dynamic. Now, if you don't have children, you have a romantic partner or have had romantic partners in the past, apply this same, this same lesson to that. And very basic one to, to think about or look at is still the idea of walking on eggshells with a partner that fear of bringing something up um, because they may turn into something worse 
and that may be true. I don't. I, there's no way for me to know what your experience is, but if you feel safe enough to bring it up, um, then you can explore what is your actual avoidance. And if you put um, whatever perceived problem into that kind of that that anxiety trap triangle that keeps the problem trapped right in the center, and if you have this unchecked anxiety up top, and then go down to the bottom left, you avoid it. So then your partner's behavior remains the same. Thus, anxiety remains the same, and whatever problem you started with will remain in the middle. Now, interestingly enough, too, we can start to address, get out of the avoid and address things, but our partner might actually still have their same kind of reactionary response as well, which would indicate to us that they're maybe not quite ready, or that is just a reaction because of maybe patternized interactions that you've had in your relationship. So a brief example of this is a partner is afraid to bring something up because, and then we, they would go and try it, and then the, the other partner's immediate reaction is kind of this like exaggerated sigh, and I'm like, oh, here we go again. Every time, you, there's always some problem, all right? And some of these statements start to come out, very dismissive statements, but if you think about those things I just said there, that that's kind of an anxiety response. Right? There's this fear that something big is going to happen when a partner could have just simply said, hey, I want to talk to you about something. Hey, I wanted to work something out. Hey, I've been struggling with something. And you see how all of a sudden, now the other partner maybe is is experiencing the anxiety trap as well. Cause, and this is what keep us both can keep both partners in the anxiety trap, as one avoids it, when they finally do bring it up, they get this maybe aversive reaction from their partner that feels dismissive and rejecting. And I want you to remember that term rejection. We're going to link back to it towards the end of this. Also, why partners may avoid bringing stuff up is similar with parents is to they don't, you know, you're avoiding some criticism for your from your partner maybe feeling like things are your fault or you're the one with a problem or that you're the one that's wrong. So it would make sense why we'd avoid some of these interactions. We're protecting ourselves. Remember, anxiety starts to go up in situations where we feel exposed or vulnerable to attack. Whom are we feeling vulnerable to, to attack from is from our partner in those moments, potentially. Are they going to criticize us, dismiss us, say something that um, we have a reaction to that makes us feel like we're wrong for how we feel or we're wrong for how we're thinking or that we're flawed somehow. Right? So generally we're trying to protect some of those when we stay in this, uh, this avoidant anxiety trap. Now on the other end, the more fight side of things is are you are you approaching conflicts with a more uh, attacking nature? And when we get back into our lesson on communication, especially in the assertive lesson, are you approaching conflicts with assertive language, where you're you're speaking from 
you know you're owning it you're you're taking responsibility for your part you're calm and measured you're thoughtful you're not blaming or are you falling into the more passive aggressive and aggressive kind of interactions and remember these are these are kind of more fight side interactions right are are you approaching conversations with your partner in a blaming sense in a you versus me kind of interaction that you need to do this right instead of you know what i need help versus like you need to do more around here can you imagine that how that would feel versus going i need you know i really need some of your help i'm feeling overwhelmed with some of the stuff you see the difference there one is me owning it the other is me blaming this imaginary person in front of me you know plug in your partner uh, me blaming the other person or putting it on the other person that they need to do more right what is that statement if you just break that down if you think of anytime you've done that to a partner saying you need to do something right what is that suggesting what's the implied message the applied message is that they're not doing enough right maybe they are doing enough but we just need a little bit more right now and we're struggling and we need some help we need someone to lean on but right that feels very vulnerable to say hey I, I I'm stressed and overwhelmed and I need some of your help part of the reason maybe sometimes people avoid going to that level of vulnerability because generally people want to feel like they can handle things on their own and that they are these independent functioning human beings and asking for help can also be be scary so it's easier to just put it out to the other person that they need to do something else right so how are you approaching are you approaching approaching them from a, pa a passive aggressive state where it's a little less direct where you're kind of like oh it'd really be nice if you did a little bit more around the house you see how that's like a little different than just straight up saying you need to <laughs> that's a little bit more aggressive more passive aggressive the throwing those hints up in the air and we'll get more into this in our uh, episode on assertiveness where we'll really break it down over the course of 30 minutes or so so I'm remembering this is still very introductory I'm trying to see if you guys could connect with some of the things I'm saying here to reflect a little bit more about your experience so yeah taking this this idea of the anxiety trap with your partner or past partner or applying just the future are you are you avoiding a problem that doesn't actually exist yet right there might be a, a small conflict but that you want to address but in your head you're avoiding it because it's going to turn into this huge hour-long argument or that you guys are not going to talk maybe 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 not but avoiding it's going to guarantee that the problem will continue to exist thus the anxiety trap keep the anxiety trapped um, the, that unchecked anxiety keeps our problem trapped in the center trapped in that triangle that I'm talking about trapped from us actually working on it and getting better or you engaging more of the fight right? trying to avoid our vulnerability by putting the 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 problem onto the other person either way still avoiding our own vulnerability avoiding our own responsibility and now when I say these things too I'm saying them uh, w with the assumption that in the work that I do that the both partners are there actually valuing, valuing their relationship and wanting to improve it. 
So that might not necessarily be the situation you're in. There's no way for me to know that. But just know in terms of how I'm speaking here, it's it you know, it, it's with families, it's with couples that are actually at some have some level level of motivation to change and improve their current relationship or family unit or communication in their lives in general. And maybe that's not your current situation. So I just want to acknowledge that. Okay, so that's going to end part two. Uh, stay tuned for a quick break. Take some time to reflect with our our music break, and we'll come back and we'll do a quick conclusion, and we'll get into a preview of what's next. Thank you. back thank you for listening to episode four the anxiety trap hopefully in there you're able to take some time to reflect upon how this anxiety trap or our unchecked anxiety can then influence um, our relationships around us and kind of increase and maintain a certain conflict um, a few steps that I do that we're not really going to uh, get into today, but we are going to get into more specifically in future episodes, um, essentially is drawing this out literally for families is step one, uh, or couples, and getting them to recognize that this pattern is uh, ineffective and continue, continue, continuing to cause distress in the relationship, whether that be the parent-child relationship or the romantic relationship or friendship, whatever it may be. And once it's acknowledged as a pattern that is ineffective, then we can begin to work on it. So then the next steps would be to start breaking down um, and addressing the underlying fears, um, checking and challenging some of the unhelpful thoughts. Um, If you listen to episode three, we talked about five keys to effective communication patterns. We then start introducing some of those skills, but first it really starts with um, acknowledging the pattern, addressing the then t- two, addressing the the underlying fears and challenging some of the unhelpful thoughts. Right, this is the managing of anxiety, um, increasing some mindfulness skills, which we'll also have an episode on later, and then ultimately introducing more effective communication patterns and then we can start to break this this cycle of unchecked anxiety leading to ineffective interactions leading to um, continued uh, relational stress all right also I briefly touched on this idea of rejection so this is our perfect segue into next episode because I've brought it up a few times in different episodes but the idea of one of our biggest social vulnerabilities being rejection. So when we think of um, approaching a, par- a romantic partner with a with a problem that we want to address, and then if that partner then dismisses us, and that feeling of rejection, right, and all the stuff that can kind of come along with that, maybe some shame, maybe some feelings of uh, insecurity such as inadequacy, or that you're wrong for the way you feel. 
and that that rejection can become very overwhelming. And like I said, this ties into what we're having uh, on our next episode because uh, a friend and colleague of mine is going to come in actually, and we're going to have our first guest, and he's going to, or he and I are going to sit down, and we're actually going to talk about attachment theory and kind of briefly explain what that is and how it looks in relationships because in the work we do we're often trying to strengthen and develop more secure attachments between between parents and children and also between partners stay tuned for that also we'll get into the uh, more specific uh, communication skills episodes very quickly here we're going to still do a few more foundational episodes such as an episode on mindfulness an introduction to mindfulness rather uh, similarly with uh, in, an introduction to codependency and after we kind of outline some of these basic introductory episodes and people are feeling connected to certain things then we'll, we'll get into more specific kind of workshop style uh, series of episodes that that dive in and, and get a little bit more into the strategies and a little bit more specific into the conflicts that can arise um, other than that thank you everyone for continuing to listen Thank you for all the feedback. Please go to uh, therapizepodcast.com and drop a comment in the comment section. Um, I need to update the website, and so I'll try to keep resources up there available. Um, please share therapize underscore podcast on Instagram. And also remember, although I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, uh, this is an informational podcast. This is not intended to replace your own personal mental health treatment. This is not also not intended to be any form of diagnostic uh, criteria. So if you are experiencing any mental health difficulties or challenges, please seek treatment in your area. All right, well, thanks again for listening. This has been episode four, The Anxiety Trap. And this has been Guy Hernandez with Therapize Podcast. And we'll talk to you next time.